Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. And I've got no idea why I started this introduction in such energetic fashion because I have not been so angry at the end of a West Ham United game of football for absolutely ages. 3-0 up at home within the first 35 minutes against Arsenal. Cruising, feet up on the sofa, arms behind my head. Happy days drafting all my text messages to all my Arsenal mates for just about the time I felt comfortable. And then one, two, three, the most inevitable fight back in the world played out at London Stadium, meaning that we came away from the game with just a point, which some have argued before the game you would have taken. I'm not so sure, and I'm certainly not so sure after being 3-0 up. It felt very West Ham United of last season. And I don't think this week, or I certainly hope that me and the lads are going to go quite as head-to-head on that as we have the last few weeks after a little bit of a stutter in West Ham season. Although James Jones is raising his eyebrow already, so I suggest that might not be the case. James, before we get into it, uh, I like your new T-shirt, mate. I don't know, are you, are you a hool rep or are you just... Uh, you're just boshing it to let us know that you uh, have started working out. Um, I'm not. A, I'm not a heel rep. Um, brand ambassador is the the actual term for it. I think. Um, <laughs> now I'm joking. Now I got, it's a free T-shirt with my, with my first order a few months ago. So uh, and I thought I'd, I'd put it on, and uh, I'm not being paid to uh, for, for this brand brand what placement. They, but what is it? Just yet. milkshakes? Is it? Yeah, not yet, Tom. Exactly. Milk not yet. No. Nah. Um, it's yeah. It's kind of like. Um, they basically brand themselves as almost like meal replacement shakes, but they're not like, you know, it doesn't mean say you have three of them a day. They're more like, um, they've got all like your, your key nutrients in. Um, this is why they're not paying me because I don't sell it very well. Um, <laughs> yeah, the worst but, advert but yeah, ever. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's it, yeah, it's, like, if you're, if you're 
running late and you need a quick pick me up for breakfast or something it's like a it gives you all the nutrients that a full and healthy meal should give you oh, there you go um, but they don't they don't advise having three a day forever right. um so yeah and that's yeah. i'm not doing that at all so no oh fair enough mate i mean you've sold it well there so if you all are on the lookout for brand better i think you're the man you could perhaps just do audio only though couldn't you to get around the fact yeah i mean i'm not I'm not quite physically there yet to be fair but uh i'm working on it boys i'm working yeah, on it absolutely well you look uh trim and hench if you ask me mate james so it's uh must be just a thing tom i mean i don't know how i didn't throw to you first if we're doing um visual uh visual observations to start off the podcast uh you've just shaved your barnet off again fed up with jokes from me at the beginning every week saying your barnet's not on point or uh just having a breakdown that we should know about who knows at this point mate i think it's a i think i was thinking about um getting this mop on again doing the edit of the youtube last week and i had a look in i thought something needs to change here so got the missus on it got babs to start getting the clippers out she's only gone in uh overcooked it on the top deck so it all had to come off and here we are mate looking a bit like thomas repka for my own liking actually <laughs> yeah peak repka very much so very i've seen you play though tom and i know you're definitely more skillful than yeah. uh, super tom <laughs> but lads look, um, it's brilliant to brilliant to see you both uh james so what do you want to do um do, you know the arsenal game i don't know you're raising your eyebrow already at the weekend, I, I was quiet after the game, both in the WhatsApp chats and on Twitter. I was seeing a few bits go back and forth. I just couldn't be bothered. I really, uh, you know, I've got slightly more energy for an argument or a disagreement now if you're up for it, which it looks like you are. But I don't know. How can, I don't know how you can be anything other than disappointed after that. I don't care who you are, unless you're like the League Two opposition playing against Man City and you somehow find yourself 3-0 up then yeah, I can justify it. But you've got 60 minutes not to concede a goal and we've been defensively resolute all season and we just completely bottled it. You could tell after the first one, it just heads had gone and you could you could just tell it was the most... Uh, uh, what's the word? I can't even get my words out. I didn't think I was that angry about this anymore. And shock, I come on the We Are Sam podcast and it all comes out again. But... Uh, you could just see it coming. It was the most predictable certainty the world has ever, ever seen. And uh, it sounds like, or it looks like, you're about to pretend you're not that fussed about it. Uh, I mean, to, just to your first point, I am up for it, to be fair. I've had my heel today, so I'm definitely <laughs> up for it. Um, yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, I'm I'm just equally as disappointed. Um but it, it, it hasn't angered me like in, in a way that it's definitely angered you. I've been reading over your show notes just a minute ago and blimey, I mean, incredibly angry still. Um, I, I tweeted after the game, I was like, do you know what? I would I probably would have taken a point at the beginning of the day. But then a game like that happens when you're freeing you up after what, what was it, 32 minutes? Um, and then you, you bottle it and you end up just only taking a point from it and um, almost going a little bit spursy. Uh, and so. yeah, it does feel like a defeat, but yeah, we bought, we did bottle it. And but the way I see it is that it's, are you doing this on purpose just because I've I'm angry about it that you think I'll no, I'm not, I'm not. It's, I, I just find I find it I'm finding it hard to really just feel angry about it. It's frustrating. It's annoying. Um, but it, it hasn't angered me. Um, it's not the same words, isn't it? like. It's not. It's not like this has happened every week. Like we've been used to, almost every single week, something happens on the pitch which just 
baffles us and we're like, why can't we just be like a normal football club? Um, that is an isolated incident this season. It hasn't happened this season at all. Um, we've normally been very good. Um, and I put it down to purely squad depth. Like we didn't have the players nah, no. to, to come off the bench to to really change the game. Like David Moyes like should have been should have been solidifying that left hand side where um, or our left hand side and Arsenal's right where Chambers was I think as Jamie Carragher put it, it was playing like Cafu. Oh he put um, Mark Noble on no James. Yeah, but he's not playing out on the left, is he? He's, he's in the middle of the pitch. Um, and then he brings Fredericks on and sticks him out on the right and doubles up on our right-hand side rather than our left, which is a bit baffling. But I think all in all, um, I would have taken the point. And yeah, it does feel like a defeat and it feels disappointing and we should have seen the game out. Um, it was coming. The moment they got that first goal before the end of the first half, you just knew in the second half they'd find a way back. Um and I, I, and I haven't used this as an excuse. I, I avoided using this as a main excuse on, on Twitter when I tweeted after the game. But Christ almighty, John Moss has got something mm. to answer for with some of those decisions. Yeah. And that one where we were through on goal, like, that yeah. was going on there. Yeah, um, And not so much John Moss, but uh, VAR as well. I mean, they checked to make sure that the ball wasn't moving for Lingard playing that, that free kick quickly for Bowen's goal. Didn't check for Arsenal second. Um, and if you look at the replay, the ball was moving when he kicked the ball. Um, but you know, even, even with those little things, we shouldn't be throwing away a three-goal lead. Um, and then we get unlucky with Antonio hitting the post from two inches out, which, again, is just another frustration. But on a, any other day this season, we win that game. It's just, mm-hmm. for me, the way I see it is it's just one of those one of those games where it just didn't, it didn't go for us. It only went for us for 30 minutes and it all fell apart. But um, it hasn't. It's uh, not gonna. It's, it's not gonna underline our season. It's not gonna underpin if all the good and great work David that last week. has done up to you this said, point. You've said that last week. I disagree. Look, we'll go into it in more detail in uh, a bit for later on in the show. But we did say that last week that we can't keep on saying it's not gonna define our season because if anything, it's these games, this little run of games that we've got now left is gonna define our season actually against the teams that that are around us or threatening to be around us. Tom, just briefly, because we've got a, a section parked for this uh, later on. What are your just sort of summary introductory feelings before we go into it in more detail in a bit? Yeah, I, I'm leaning more towards the frustration with you, Will, on this one. I thought we had a game not sewn up, but a team, when you're 3-0 up against a team, it was so out of confidence by the looks of it and getting so physically overrun to then give them a the way we did was was very poor and I don't disagree about the squad depth. That didn't help us at all. But again, I thought a couple of the changes could have been a, a little bit different. And yet again, I felt like we reverted to a bit too negative. Not saying go all out like we discussed last week, but make them play with the balls that we did in the first 30 minutes to make the difference in the final third. So frustration. And I'm probably with you, Ali, this week, Will, mainly. Yeah, well, I'm pleased to hear it, mate. Um, and in a way... You know, I'm, I'm, I am pleased to have a bit of backup, of course, but um, yes, it's one of those where you don't really enjoy being right. And I think it'll be interesting as we go into it in a bit more detail in a bit. Uh, I think our views last week about, I thought, you know, pragmatism was a fairly sensible approach at Man United and you two wanted to go for it more. I think the the, the flip side is true after 35 minutes at the weekend when we were 3-0 up and it seemed like Arsenal were coming on to us a bit. 
I think the the owner should have been asked to go and kill the game. But look, we'll, we'll go into that in a bit more detail. James, I'm going to do the housekeeping. It's going to be a little bit different this week. Uh, we've got a, a particularly special message uh, that came in during the week that I don't know if you could uh, get up and you'll be able to read out shortly. But like I say, uh, just to let everyone know uh, what's coming up on the show tonight, we'll do the housekeeping shortly. Then we'll have some Arsenal reaction in more detail from me and the boys. I'm delighted to say after last week, Tom giving him grief on Twitter, his comments being the root of a discussion between me and the lads. We have confirmed that Jacob Steinberg, football journalist and West Ham fan from the Guardian newspaper is joining us to talk about that Arsenal game. Saeed Benrahma, David Moyes and uh, his view on some of the fans' reaction to our recent games. The Betway charity bets will go over those as if that day on the weekend wasn't bad enough. We were so, so close to winning some more money. We'll go into that in part three. No opposition view this week, because of course it's the international break. We'll do a quick roundup of uh, which West Ham players are playing where James is the quiz master for name that game in part five as things are hotting up at the top of that league. We'll wrap up with Sandra Brobby from The Sun uh, for the West Ham women. So a huge announcement about the WSL in the week, signing a massive broadcast deal that has the real potential to completely change the sport in this country, which is absolutely fantastic news. And West Ham... Women had as much of a disappointing result, probably more so than the men did at the weekend when they played Birmingham last Wednesday. They, it was an absolutely phenomenal game and all credit to the girls. The performance was so much better, but absolutely heartbreaking to see Birmingham score a 94th minute equaliser after the girls had battled back from 1-0 down to go 2-1 up. Looked like the first WSL win under Ollie Harder, but it wasn't to be. So Sandra will join us for that and then we'll say goodbye as we always do and have a brief fantasy Premier League update. So... Like I said, first things first, it's housekeeping this week. A little bit different. As always, follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link to that is in the description to this podcast. You can watch all of these videos. You can watch the whole show if you want or just the exclusive interviews that we often have with several different West Ham related guests. The link is down below. You can email us at wearewestampod at gmail.com with whatever you fancy getting in touch about. Just give us your thoughts on the game. If you like or don't like something that me and the boys have said, feel free to get in touch. And Jonesy, uh, we have got Instagram as well. We don't use it as much as as our other platforms, it's fair to say. Uh, But Rob got in touch this week, didn't he? And to be honest, it was uh, it put a smile on all of our faces, didn't it? Yeah, no, it's a lovely message to receive from Rob. Um, he, he says, you always ask for feedback, and I just wanted to say how much that I enjoy your podcast. I did a review last year on the Wilkes Hammer, which I think we read out at the time. Yeah. Uh, the, the different segments work really well for me, particularly the opposition view and the women's team update. I also like the guests. Today's finance section was excellent. And for me, as a 61-year-old, it's brilliant to hear people like Patsy Holland some top guests and getting insights from people like Tony Carr every now and again is brilliant. The three of you combine well, and although I'll be the same age as your parents, it feels like I'm listening to mates talking about the hammers. I appreciate how much hard work must go into what you do, so I thought the least I could do was to provide feedback on how much I enjoy it. I've listened to several hammers podcasts, but for me, this is a different level for the above mentioned reasons. Keep the great work going, and even Will's terrible attempt at the Champions League tune made me laugh last week. 
Well, I mean, James, when you put that in the in the group, to be quite honest, I was having a bit of a bad day the other day. A few things had gone wrong. I was just in a bad mood. Lockdown was getting on my nerves, as I know it is to loads of people at the moment. And uh, when you put that in in the group chat, that really, really put a smile on my face. So, look, thank massive thanks to Rob uh, for that, because, you know, nice words like that do cheer us up, don't they? We, uh, we do work hard. We enjoy doing this pod as well but um yeah great stuff from rob so thanks very much for that i did brighten our mood but that brings me on to our latest announcement at the we are west Ham podcast it's been a full year now since the first lockdown hit and unfortunately as a result love sport radio where james and i and occasionally tom would uh, broadcast the west Ham show live to the nation every tuesday night they had to come off the airwaves and our show Sadly, I had to stop with it. But uh, at the time, James and I decided to take on the extra work ourselves, rebrand as We Are West Ham and keep the show going as a podcast throughout lockdown, just so you guys still had something to tune into every every week while the world looks set to be a bit grim and boring for a while. And just like everyone else, we had no idea when it was uh, or how long it was all going to last, when it was going to end. And to be honest, Jonesy, we were pretty hopeful, weren't we, that we'd be back in the studio within a matter of weeks at the mm. time. But uh, it wasn't to be. Here we are now, 12 months later, still recording from our offices, bedrooms, from our homes. But in the last year, like Rob's there, we've had a lot of wonderful messages from you guys. Uh, to be honest, one of my favourite parts about doing this podcast is knowing that fellow West Ham fans like us all around the world are going about their day, whatever it is, work, training, in the car, laughing, smiling or getting angry uh, in some instances, I'm sure, about something that one of us or our guests has said. One thing we've noticed, though, is that a lot of you who've got in touch to say thanks or just let us know how much you enjoy the pod have said you'd like to buy us a pint. So to mark a year since we went podcast only and rebranded as we are West Ham, set up an account at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. And that's exactly what you can do now. Now, if you fancy it, you can buy us a pint. It's uh, set, the fi- uh, set out of fiver by the website. So it's London Stadium or the Cow in Westfield pint prices, to be quite honest. But if you uh, if you head over there, you can buy us a pint each, more than a pint each, or one pint between the three of us, if you'd like. Which, to be honest, and Tom can vouch for me here, is what James would regularly do when the pubs were open. It was his round before <laughs> or after a live radio show. One pint and three straws was Jonesy. But uh, in any case, if you're if you're worried about where the money might go, I can guarantee it will either be spent behind a bar initially at the end of season beers which are coming up uh, or it'll be spent on things to make we are west Ham better for you guys so that could be guest fees to ensure we continue to get big and relevant west ham names on the show equipment and software to improve and maintain sound and edit quality uh, you know me and me and the lads have all got mics and editing software and all that which we've we've paid for ourselves up until now, uh, or of course, quality, exciting listener giveaways. We've already given away three or four replica shirts this season, as well as a bunch of other West Ham prizes. And we uh, want to continue doing that from now on and perhaps uh, ramp it up a little bit more. So we are planning on organising something where any of our listeners who'd like to can come along and have a beer, a laugh and a chat about West Ham with the three of us in person once lockdown rules allow it again, because we'd love to meet all you guys. We often talk about that. So we'll definitely organise something where we can all have a beer together. But I'd just like to say, whether you do or don't do this, will have no effect on the podcast that goes live every week, other than a small addition to the weekly housekeeping section that none of you listen to anyway. Uh, You'll get just as much podcast as you do now. Nothing will change. And there's absolutely no drama at all if it's not your thing. It's not a monthly subscription, anything like that. You're not going to miss out if you don't do it, nor will you get anything extra if you do. You can do it as often as you like, just once or never. And it just gives you guys a way to chip in a few quid 
if you'd like as some of you have asked about it in the past if you'd like to buy us a beer or just support the podcast head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham when you can just do that and uh, the link is also included in the description to this podcast worth noting i think james as well that you know we said that it's not a subscription or anything like that but absolutely no problem with other podcasters uh west ham or football in general that do i pay for a few podcasts that are also available for free uh, the three of us as most football content creators do we do this alongside our jobs don't we so no pressure on anyone whatsoever um it's just something we, we thought we'd do as quite a few people have asked about it yeah it's um i mean as you said no um no issues with any, any anyone else in, in our space that that charges it's just you know as you said we've had a lot of people express their you know their willingness or their, their, their want to or find out how they could go about buy, buying us a beer or donating to the podcast um and you know this is a good way for, for us to do it and as you quite rightly said when when uh boris lets us um which we're we're, we're hoping is going to be uh, next month at the earliest um or the latest shall I, shall I say um we should be able to to meet up and, and, and have a few beers and invite some of our listeners along finally meet people in person and and put the last year behind us and, and move on. But um, yeah, this is a really, really good way for, for anyone that does, you know, does fancy buying us a pint in advance. That'd be, that'd be really, really good. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, it'll get you out of uh, finding excuses not to put into the whip, won't it? At the end of the season do, which will be uh, an absolute result. But Guilty. Uh, yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Well, look, um, I think that covers it. That's probably the longest housekeeping we've ever done, isn't it? So I think, uh, you know, the majority of people will have no doubt turned off because just me getting people to uh, follow us on Twitter. Oh, no, I haven't. I haven't asked people to leave us a review, but perhaps that's too much this week, Jonesy. What do you reckon? Yeah, pint or a review, either or. Right, yeah, like, yeah, fair enough. Asking for, we're asking too much. Five stars and a uh, and some nice words or a pint of uh, Estrella. You're still on carling, are you, Tom, these days? With I've gone up in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. With this, I'll take wherever I'm on Tiskies with this, actually, mate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, look, like I say, um, if, if, if you're one of those who's expressed the desire to do that, you can now do that now. Buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. If not, do not worry. And it will just be a, a brief mention of it in the housekeeping each week, which you can continue to ignore if you want to. So, lads, uh, back to the Arsenal game. Tom, uh, I think I'll go to you first because I'm, I'm not really in the mood for James's pragmatism this week. do Last week, I'll put it this way. Last week, you were arguing that uh, West Ham should have gone for it at Old Trafford, right? So as soon as we're 3-0 up, and I know it might seem counterintuitive, Arsenal got that one goal back. We managed to scrape into half-time. The first one I don't think you can argue with. It's a great turn and finish by Lacazette. I know it comes off of Suchek and Ricochet's in. It was good for footwork. I thought Lacazette was outstanding the whole game. Uh, and I thought after half time, mm. I thought that was the time, given that it plays into our strengths, i.e. we're good at going forward and, and scoring goals this season. The best thing to do would have been to go out and attack them. I know they were going to come at us, but go out and attack. And all of a sudden you've got a three goal lead again and it, it puts them on the back foot and just worries them a little bit. But we didn't do any of that. I know Antonio hit the post, but other than that, we didn't scare them at all, did we, in that second half? No, I, I absolutely agree with you, mate. I, I really do. I thought it wasn't as if we weren't creating anything and we were going to dead ends and, and we were losing the ball in bad areas. More, more often than not, when we got out, we were creating stuff or in around good positions or we had three on threes and we just didn't quite make the most of it. 
we looked dangerous and we could clearly couldn't deal with Lacazette all game dropping into that pocket between Rice and Suchek and they were going to get chances for the whole game the way it panned out you could just tell that it was going to be gazumping us and us just trying to withstand something and I felt like the only thing to do was to go out and hit them and that Antonio one I know I know it looks bad he, he's done he maybe could have started the run a bit earlier he looks to go a bit late to the back post but other than that he's done everything right and it was a that was just one of those interesting things. But I personally feel like if we got at them, and we, we could have done that numerous times. I thought Bowen and Ben Rama 1v1 against their fullbacks had no problem going by them and putting the ball in the box. And yeah, it was a shame. It, it, it was a shame that we reverted back and just sort of lost that courage to play. I think Lingard came out in the interview after and something I tweeted and always say is courage to get on a ball and make things happen and be brave to take that forward pass, make that chance or just delay it for a second and not, pump and rush of blood and just hook it out to touch actually get on the ball again and hopefully they'll learn from this and we won't see it happen again because it yeah it was a bit of a stinger that one mm, yeah I, I think you know like you say with that Antonio one that is is a one-off thing you could say oh Ben Rama's hit it a bit hard Antonio goes a bit late whatever but like you say that is inches here or there isn't it really uh i had i did actually make some notes during the game james which i haven't done for a very long time i felt very professional doing it but i just put rise to suchek non-existent in the second half tom's mentioned it there i thought odegaard and lacazette dropping in just that that was where the game was won really dominated that that space i know uh, chambers from the right hand side did well but all of those moves started from that that space where Rice and Suchek was supposed to be playing, that frustrated me because I think you've got two holding midfielders there. We should be dominating that area of the pitch against anyone. I did Chambers, Lacazette and Odegaard, I thought were outstanding for Arsenal in that second half. Uh, yeah, the, the down the left, Cresswell and Ben Rama. And I did put, and I'll bring it up then, you've said these won't define our season. I think you're wrong because I think that felt like the difference between a European place and not because you just invite, like we invited Arsenal on, you've also invited all those teams around us. They've uh, nicked a few points on us and that's so tight there. It's, it's very, very feasible that we could finish eighth now. And before David Sage gets on me about projected negativity, I'm being negative about the the game that we've just seen play out. Oh, I mean, I, I see your point, um, and maybe maybe it does define our season. I, I think it, we we can't. We look at it at the end of the season and go, okay, well, you know, we, we've already said we've already said that the Newcastle game at the beginning of the season is just an absolute stinker now because you know they're the only team outside the top six that's actually beaten us this season. Um, and look at the season they've had since. Like we shouldn't have lost that game. Um, I think Odegaard was probably the best player we've come up against this season. So he he was I thought he was just outrageously good in midfield and we just didn't know how to deal with him. He pulled the strings. Um I think you're a bit harsh on Suchek and Rice being non existent. I think I think yeah, okay, it wasn't their worst game, but you know, they both had, they both had good moments. Um Declan Rice turned into Lionel Messi for for thirty seconds, <laughs> which was fun fun to watch. Should have turned um, though, shouldn't he? Silly shooting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um or he should have played it off to Antonio earlier, but yeah, I, I, I don't think uh, the second half performance was half expected. I think we all kind of expected us to come out and we all wanted us to go out and try and nick a fourth, kill the, kill the game. But deep down, we all expected us to, to go out there. We've seen West Ham do it so many times, particularly at home this season, um, and try and protect the lead. Um, we don't, we very rarely have gone, gone at teams when we've already been leading. 
Um, and so that's kind of what we were expecting and that's what we got. And when you come up against players like Odegaard who can pull the strings in midfield and Chambers like a man possessed on the right-hand side and, and Lacazette doing a great job and dropping in, um, we found it very difficult and uh, Creswell got exposed um, many, on, on more than one occasion. Um, Dawson can't stop scoring, just at the wrong net now. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, for me it was it was less less anger and just more f- frustration that we could all see it coming. Um, and once again, everyone but David Moyes and, and the players can see it coming. Um, it, it's happened on more than one occasion this season. Luckily, we didn't lose the game because I think had there was, there was another five minutes on the end of that, we would have lost it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and the first half as well. So, Tom, uh, I've written down here, and there's been a lot of it seems to be the flavour of the week on on West Ham Twitter this week about people being polarised. I mean, like we said it before, people are polarised about everything in society at the moment, aren't they? Which is you know relentlessly boring and frustrating. However, this week's flavour of the week. On West Ham Twitter seems to be the Saeed Ben Rama conversation. We've had different of a difference of his of opinion on it before. Uh, we both agreed that he should have started ahead of Noble at the weekend. I've just put down here Ben Rama question mark Noble question mark. I didn't think Ben Rama did anything to particularly uh, give it argue his case that oh yeah definitely we have to start him again next week. So I wonder what your thoughts are on that and bringing Noble on again I mean it's getting to the stage now isn't it where I think a lot of people just don't want to see him on the pitch in the Premier League and maybe that is a squad depth issue but I, I don't know what I never understand really what the purpose is I don't I wonder what do you think the thinking was behind bringing Noble on yeah I think it was to try and plug the gap between Lacazette and um and Odegaard getting in that hole like we all mentioned but Noble was playing too high when he came on I was shocked he played him the thinking was to play him there. He played him at the 10. He played him ahead of Rice and Suchek when he should have played him inverted and played him behind then and let them get their legs and try and nick a winner. So he didn't actually, tactically, it was just a bit of a disaster class. You put someone on who can't chase, who can't cover lateral ground very easily anymore, and he just ends up getting caught high up the pitch on numerous occasions. I don't know how many gifts there are in memes about him just getting driven by by party and David Louise in just one touch and he's away. And and I think the only time he's come on and really made any sort of impact this season has been when he's been at the bottom of that three and, and had to run less and just sort of done the dirty work for those two. And to play him ahead of him's just been kamikaze at times. And I think if we use him again, I do think he's good enough on the ball. I do think he's still got that experience to just about do it in the Prem, but only when he's got the protection of those two in front of him and he's playing that bit deeper. Um, and on Saeed, or should I, do you want to talk on that? Yeah, yeah, no, you can go, mate. Yeah, I've just yeah. still love that you're on first name terms with him because you're determined yeah, yeah, for that Ben Rama nine shirt that you've got that you paid 75 quid for to be worth some money at the end of the season. Mate, it's coming. It's coming. I'm telling you, please, please, Saeed, please. I need to sell it on eBay soon. No, what um, do you think? What yeah, do you mate, honestly think? I thought I thought he showed flashes. Agree, agreed. I think yeah, defensively, he's a, he, he was part of the problem for Chambers and Co. getting in on the, on that side. No doubt. And I think he's been all right defensively all year. I think that's been one of the things which has surprised people, how hard he has worked. I think the weekend maybe he didn't show that as much. I think going forward, his link-up play with Lingard in the first 20, 30 minutes again was positive and does give us an extra dimension going forward. And we can keep the ball in the final third a bit better with both of them on the pitch. And 
create different angles and maybe get a few balls in a box and get Suchek higher because he takes it to the byline. So I think he offers us something. I think if he flashes that across and Antonio scores, everyone will be waxing lyrical about a moment of genius from him to win West Ham a key game, which puts some Champions League place. And I think it would be an entirely different conversation. And I do have a problem with people going at him. I mean, it's his first year in the Premier League. He's done all right. He's been in and out the side. He started 13, been off the bench 11. He's only started four in a row is the most he's ever started. I think I just had a look at it. He's barely got given a real fair crack at it yet. And there's more to come from him. And getting on his back is just, uh, come on, we're, we're fifth in the Premier League and he's contributed to that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, a man who has got a different view to you on side Ben Rama, Tom, perhaps a little bit more in line with my own one. He got absolutely pelters for on Twitter is Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian. He's not a man who shirks on his views on uh, on West Ham or football or anything, which is, is what you want. And it's why he's a, he's a top level outstanding journalist. James, go on before we move on. You've, you've got one more thing to say by the looks of it. Into yeah, no, my no, seamless, flawless link there. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Um, the last two games, I think, and I, I forgot to mention it earlier, we've really seen how much we miss Fornells in that midfield. Yeah. Um, you know, just just his work rate um, and the legs he has on him throughout the game, and obviously David Moyes likes that bit of work rate in midfield. And um, I think we Particularly noticed against it more. The big teams, in it. Uh, yeah, we we noticed it more against Arsenal. Um, mm. Not many people have mentioned it or, or spoken about him. Um, and he's kind of been almost a Hayden Mullins of the season where he kind of just slips under the radar a little bit. Um, but he's, he's relatively effective um, and we miss him when he's not there. And I think we're beginning to see that, that we miss Fornaus. Um, he just offers that little bit more energy um, and just doesn't stop working in midfield. And I think that was partly our downfall. On, yeah, on, yeah. Uh, the yeah. I agree, particularly against a good team. You do argue whether or not he'd have let Chambers go on that run where, where he scored from. But, uh, you know, he's... Three all, it's a point against us. We would have taken it before James, but I am still of the opinion that a professional Premier League football team, when you're three nil up against anyone with 45 minutes to go or whatever, should uh, should definitely, definitely, definitely be professional enough to see that out for the win. But hey, we didn't. We're still in with a fight at Europe, I think. And uh, I can't wait till after next week, if we get a negative result, James Jones to tell me once again, that is not defining our season. But Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian coming up next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. More conversation about Saeed Benrahma this week and his contribution against Arsenal. It was the same conversation after Manchester United last week. I'm delighted to say that uh, Jacob Steinberg, football journalist and West Ham fan for his sins from The Guardian, is joining us again on the We Are West Ham podcast. Jacob, it's brilliant to have you with us. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast once again. Your conversation, your tweets last week uh, caused quite the debate between Tom and I. I was uh, 100% team Steinberg while Tom was on uh, on the other end. As far as Saeed Benrahma goes, uh, you tweeted out uh, among a thread, uh, one thing that really hit home with me was that Saeed Benrahma and a lot of people have a view on Ben Rama that is different to his actual on-field play suggests. What is uh, has that changed at all? Or can you give us a bit more detail about that at first and your stance on him? Well, I think that it was a little bit obvious to me back in October that Saeed Ben Rama wasn't 
David Moyes' top choice. I think if he'd had the time back, he may well have gone for Josh King at Bournemouth. And, you know, maybe also looking with the benefit of hindsight, um, given what Josh King has gone on to do, not really done anything for Bournemouth before he left and went to Everton, maybe that's a signing that might not have worked out. Um, Equally, it could be that that, that's something that just didn't suit him. And if he joined West Ham uh, in October, that he, he may well have, made a huge difference and when uh, Antonio got injured he may well have been a player who uh, really would have made more of a difference uh, up front than than Sebastian Haller did um, and, and you know indeed if we'd had someone like that perhaps it would have been uh, an even stronger position uh, that we're looking at now they might be sort of clear of Chelsea um, so I'm not sure for a start whether Ben Rama was somebody who quite fitted into what Moyes wanted to do. That isn't to say that I didn't think that he was himself um, taken in isolation, a good player. He clearly had done very well in, in the championship with with Brentford. Um, there were other clubs who did have a look at him. Um, you know, the Palace had a look. Uh, Villa had a bit of a look as well. I think where, where I come from it, though, is, is that uh, £30 million for Sergio Rama, I thought, was um, really quite a, a big fee for somebody who you know really uh, well, no, not proven at all in the in the Premier League or absolutely no experience uh, West Ham didn't have a huge budget to play with last summer so I thought that I, that I raised my eyebrows a little bit at that um, and I, I was uh, you know kind of people who some people would say to me yeah you know he's a very talented player get him going and he'll make a big difference there were others who were saying he won't make that much of a difference to the first team and I think that from what we've seen so far, there'll be people obviously who'll argue, well, this is simply because Moyes hasn't really sort of let him off the leash. But I think I fall into the latter camp, which is that I don't think that he he is the you know he's someone who's made West Ham better. I don't think he's been a disaster by by any means. I think he's had some good games here and there, but there are other times when you feel that he really sort of struggles with the physicality, the pace of the Premier League. I, I don't think necessarily. He has the pace sometimes to get away from players, the strength. Um, you know, like that infamous game against Palace where he what, gave the ball away 44 times or something. Um, <laughs> I thought, you know, that night, that, that sort of came after, you know, a good performance against Leeds um, where, you know, people thought perhaps he'll, he'll, he'll push it on, but he didn't really that, that, uh, that evening. I think with Moyes, it's been a case of him really trying to get this guy up to speed in the Premier League. Then you come to January and, you know, obviously Hannah goes, they don't sign a striker, but they do sign a player in Jesse Lingard, who proven in the Premier League, an international player uh, with, with England, you know, semi-finals of the World Cup and everything, scored in cup finals for Manchester United. And he's someone who <laughs> really, you can see the difference um, yeah. when he's playing in, in Ben Rama's position, you know, the, the levels of a player who's pushing, you know, when, when you're pushing for... Champions League, Europa League. There's a there's, there is a big difference there. I don't think that um, you know it, it, Lingard can kind of get away with uh, not tracking back as much when he's producing the uh, output in the final third that we've seen from him so far. It's harder to justify with uh, with Ben Rama. Uh, we saw it on Sunday, uh, where obviously Arsenal overloaded West Ham's left side. Yeah. It was an issue with the goals that Ben Rama wasn't doing the work. Uh, and I thought that was why against Manchester United, when Moyes got a lot of, um, I thought, quite knee-jerk criticism uh, out of that game, where obviously it was very negative. I 
I, I ended up uh, paying more attention to the episode of Sopranos that I was watching than the game itself because <laughs> it was so dull. Um, but is this, I thought it was West very This is by, the menu game, is it? Yeah, last week, yeah, yeah. Where, you know, where there was a lot of um, expectation around what West Ham would do going into that game. Uh, obviously, they then proceeded to do very little in, in an attacking sense. But I thought that's very conditioned by the uh, the loss of Pablo Fornals to, to injury, which I think has really hurt West Ham in both of those games against uh, United and Arsenal, because they're somebody who really does work off the ball. Um, he might not be as flashy. He might not be uh, you know, as exciting necessarily as, as Ben Rama. But when it comes to, you know, what we all know with Moyes is that if you don't run, you don't play, which is something that all the players say about him. Fornals is somebody who very much after a sticky start really does do that, helps the team. He's been a big, I think he's been a big part of how they've you know, been defensively solid this season. Mm. With Ben Rama in the side, I think it's different. Um, you know, it's not to say that I'm, <laughs> I'm part of this sort of, I have a massive vendetta against him. I just, I just think I can see why, I can see why Moyes uh, in that game against United would be thinking, I don't know if I can trust him uh, in this level of game well, that's where we the... don't have, uh, especially where they didn't have Fornals, uh, sorry, Lingard as well. Yeah, I mean, we just were literally the bit you've um, we've just come in and we all said the same thing. James made a good point saying that that Lingard, sorry, for now, uh, we certainly miss him, particularly against those big teams. It was your, you tweeted, there's a, um, that's it, Moyes doesn't trust Ben Rama, who did nothing after coming on with a lot of time left. I know we're skipping back to the United game. There's a view of Saeed Ben Rama that doesn't tally with reality. Tom, I've, me and you have, have, have spoken about this at length on the podcast this season, and it's fair to say that. Um, you are, in my opinion, and perhaps uh, one of the people who Jacob's tweet might have been inadvertently aimed at then, that I feel like sometimes your view of Ben Rama doesn't tally with reality. What Jacob said there about Jesse Lingard and all of that, listening to it, for me, sounds quite hard to argue with. Have you got, have you got, what's your take on that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they firstly, they play different positions. Lingard, Ben Rama's had that role once in the 10 dog against Leeds. And I'd say that's arguably our best attacking performance creatively since before Lingard came in. That is obviously since then we've played some stellar games and Lingard is the level above. Absolutely. But Ben Rama plays out wide. So they're, they're slightly different anyway. Their contribution to the team is a bit different. I think you're looking for different roles from them anyway. They can both play at the same time. I don't think it's one or the other. Um, and then the other one is Ben Rama's stats with him. I know you mentioned there you think we're less solid or or is that whatever that is, an eye test or anything. The stats suggest that we've won 10 out of the 12 games he started or 10 out of 13 on the weekend. And we've only lost one and we've drawn the other. So we, our results with him as in the starting 11 have been uh, significantly better than without. Um, and I think he's got... A re- there's a reason why he's he's started so slow. He's been in and out the side. He hasn't had a crack at it. Like I said earlier on a previous section, I think it's four starts in a row is, is his most most amount of game time. And, and I'm not one of those who sat here saying he's going to score 10, 15, 20 goals. But I definitely think he has. And I definitely think we've shown this season we're a better for when he's on. He's got a lot more to do. He's got a lot more to offer. But I do think that the slander against him, which is coming from certain sections of fans or media or whatever, is, is probably over the top because just go back a year ago and what he was doing in the championship, there's a serious, serious player in there and he's shown elements of it at us. So to give up on him after eight months when he's also contributed so heavily to a team who's come fifth, be that from his position on the squad coming off, he's won us key games with things he's done off the bench, the Villa, Fulham, two match-winning assists from moments of quality from him. 
So it's definitely added to it. And I think the slander against him or, or the dismissive nature against him that he's not a Premier League player is, is definitely too early. We've seen that time and time again that you can't write a player off after seven, eight months. And I'm not saying... Well, I think he's... There he are. Sorry, I mean, I think, I, I think he's a Premier League player. I think he's easily good enough to play in the Premier League. Where, mm-hmm. where, where I think there's an issue with him is... I mean, just, just to touch on the assist, the assist, the couple of the assists you mentioned, I mean, I'd argue that the Fulham one was relatively simple and I thought the Villa one was... Um, a little bit lucky and made by a very good piece of improvisation from from Bowen. What, what, what I will give him, what I will give him, is a, a one that you didn't mention, which was the very good pass to um, Suchek against Villa away, which is what I yeah. would like to see from him all the time. Um, you know, not I'm, I'm, I'm less interested in the skill, which is what I'm not sure what this team is really about. I'm more just about the quick incisiveness in the in the final third, and I think that's probably what Moyes is um, what Moyes is looking for. I, I think he's a Premier League player. I think where what what the issue is 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 he's a is he a thirty million pound player um, that mm-hmm. that West Ham needed when they you know obviously <laughs> it's it's part of it's that old question about recruitment, isn't it? Where mm. they'd spent the entire summer chasing centre back after centre back, and then come the end of it, suddenly out of nowhere, Dawson comes in on loan, and okay, he <laughs> has turned out to be you know a great signing, which <laughs> a lot of fans didn't think would. Would be the case, us included uh, and, for sure. Yeah, yeah, God yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I think people were very dubious about that. And thirty million on Ben Rama, which um, obviously at the same time it had uh, it, it, he he'd been uh, he was coming in to replace Grady Dean Garner. So uh, I, I, you know, there's an element of the finances that you question. But, uh, you know, Grady going for for eighteen, and okay, again, there was a huge reaction about about him going at the time, which. Again, maybe feels a little Looks bit over the top. He's now. not yeah, really exactly. done yeah. anything, but also at the same time, you know, then to go and spend all that money on Ben Rama, I, I question how much better he is than uh, than Grady. Exactly, exactly how much you know that's really affected the squad. And when we come to the sort of final half hour against Arsenal, when we come to the the United game. Could that money have been reinvested in a in a better way? In in, in a in strengthening key positions that you know really have ended up hurting them you know i'm not i'm not so sure how much ben rama has contributed to them being fifth again not saying that he's he's done nothing but i think the best team probably doesn't include him in it i think it's you know the the best attack is probably four now lingard um bowen and behind antonio isn't it yeah i think uh yeah i go on Tom, bowen can be disposed at points yeah so i was just gonna say i think the look We've got all three. I think that's a luxury. I don't think certain games, certain courses for certain horses. I think we've got four different, very different players out there who each bring something unique. So I think it is horses to courses, but I, I can't argue with that as a front three, no. Uh, I mean, Jacob, I think that one of the, sorry. sorry, sorry. I just think one of the issues that you get with the, the West Ham sort of need to move away from is this idea around the kind of luxury indulgent player that, you know, we all kind of love, we all watched, um, if we're all of a certain age, then we all would have sort of grown up watching Decanio, Berkovic, all those kind of mm, players, yeah. and they were all great and everything. Decanio was also a player who never turned up for away games and sort of <laughs> walked out on the team when they were uh, when they were going down. You know, similarly, there's the whole thing around, you know, 2016, everybody loved Payet, and, um, you know, it was fantastic, but it was all kind of built on a house of sand. Yeah, uh, Yossi Yoon was a good trying one to get away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought Benny worked a bit harder than uh, than maybe the two players I've mentioned. But 
I think with Moyes, it's trying to get away from that a little bit and, you know, not focusing on just somebody who can do something out of nothing. It's, um, you know, it's, it's focusing on a, on a team where everybody's kind of working and, and being effective, which I think he, he felt. Um, I remember talking to him last year and asking him, when you managed against West Ham for Everton, did you think they were a bit of a soft touch? And he said, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's dope. You mentioned Moyes there. You've uh, you've done my link in for me, which uh, which I appreciate. But you said um, similar similar stance uh, from from you last week. You, I think you something you tweeted out after the game. There was after United game. This is um, that you find the the abuse that Moyes gets. Um, correct me if I'm if I'm paraphrasing here, but pathetic. I think was that was the word you used. And I think last week I was of the opinion that a pragmatic approach at Old Trafford was perfectly sensible yes it, it brought up a, a turgid game of football but we lost by the odd own goal at a team who are likely to finish second in the league so I don't think there was too much shame in that my stance shifted somewhat uh, at the Arsenal game and I think Moyes deserves probably more criticism for that in my opinion given that after your three new up to not be able to hold on to that, albeit against a team who had some talented players like Arsenal, Odegaard, Lacazette and Chambers obviously played well. But I think to not to just sort of invite them on was was sort of criminal, really. But um, what's your what's your stance on as far as the Moyes stuff goes? Because West Ham Twitter, you'll know uh, as much, probably more than than some of us. What a what a, a, a um, I'm trying to think of an appropriate adjective. What a emotive place it can be at times, uh, particularly around David Moyes. And you got a bit of kickback about the abuse uh, that Moyes was getting, or the criticism he was getting after United. Tom Edwards was was one of those. What's your what's your stance on on David Moyes, and particularly you know the the grief that he gets and doesn't get after certain games this season. Um, well, I suppose in the uh, to, to declare an interest would be that I didn't see uh, Sunday's game, so I can't comment on exactly what happened in, in a tactical sense because I was at Chelsea v Sheffield United and yeah, um, was walking around Fulham Broadway Sainsbury's listening to the game on the radio waiting for <laughs> Arsenal to equalise. <laughs> Why? Um, after after after, uh, after the Chelsea game, so. Um, the only thing I'd say about the Arsenal game is that I'm I'm looking at West Ham's bench and thinking, well, I don't see a lot there, which is you know an issue that isn't really created by David Moyes. I think it's um, a long, there's a long, there's a long the list of reasons can, for that. It is if the club are to be believed, Jacob, isn't it? That it was David Moyes' decision not to spend any more money in the summer, and it was very much right, these were David's decisions. Right. I think that one of the things that we've got to, again, look at is that I think David Moyes has quite a good understanding of, I think at times he has almost a better understanding of West Ham as an outsider than at times people looking from the inside do, mm. in that he's talking all the time about you need to maybe calm down and, you know, not get ahead of yourselves and sort of, there have been times in the past, I think the the classic one would be 2016, where you know they go close to um, go close to qualifying for the Champions League, but if we're honest, like how how lucky was that season under under Slaven Village? It was fairly lucky. They go into the next season, they don't spend it. Well, they don't in, into the London Stadium, don't really buy anybody who's any Zero use at all, yeah. and you know, and it all falls apart basically. That's what he's trying to avoid. It's about trying to lay you know foundations in there, and if players. Okay, if, if if he's got money to spend, but the players aren't there in a particularly dead pandemic hit market, then you know the you know do do West Ham need more players who are going to sit around on big contracts 
um, which is, you know, the issue for them last summer when it's a real struggle to shift people like Yarmolenko, Lanzini, Haller and uh, Anderson, Felipe Anderson, them, yeah. all on big, big contracts. Anderson's on a very, I think he's the highest paid player at the club. He's on a very big contract. Um, and, you know, you would like to be able to sell him to get back some of the money you paid for him. Instead, he's gone on loan. That's not money that can really be reinvested in the squad. Uh, so, you know, with the Arsenal game, I'd, I'd say, look at what Arsenal were bringing on. Look what Moyes was bringing on. Yeah, maybe he, you know, people were saying he should have brought on Ben Johnson for, you know, instead of Ryan Fredrickson to, to try and shut down the, uh, the, the left flank. But we are still talking about a 21-year-old, pretty inexperienced um, academy player uh, compared to... You know these sort of brilliant little Arsenal attackers that are coming yeah, on. Nicholas Pepe, um, seventy-two million, who came on. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and obviously people will have their view on Pepe. He's not really, you know, Arsenal fans don't really like him. But point point I'm making is that maybe there's there's every chance that the other substitution that Moyes is making there may well not get them out of um, get get them over the line. You know, it's uh, we're, we're not talking about really established players who who are who are coming into that. I I, I just think that. That to me, there seems to be a resistance at times. I think that people, so I get the impression that some people are waiting for it to fall apart. I think the first time um, I found myself in a similar kind of position of trying to defend defend Moyes, I think that, again, there was a bit of a, I think, look at the squad that he took over in 2017. The squad, you know, and look look at the state of the squad after the January 2018 window um, where, you know, they sold loads of players, didn't really bring anybody in. Patrice Evra is coming in on a free transfer after the window. Uh, he's sort of walking around, but at the end with like one seen defender basically in uh, in, in Ogbonna getting them over the line. Um, you know, Antonio was injured the whole time, wasn't he? And he get and they then they and they stay up. And I thought at that point, um, you know, that that sort of that that final game, if you remember, against Everton, and okay, it was against Sam Allardyce's Everton. You could kind of see um, something coming together. Almost, especially equally that that the win over Leicester, which kind of kept them up a week before, and instead there was just this resistance and the desire to go for the the big name um, in in Pellegrini, the big expensive manager, and he turned out to be just completely the wrong man. He he wasted a lot of money. His picks were terrible. Um, you know, he, the the players who he turned down, such as James Madison, it really kind of beggars belief. Roberto was a complete disaster. Uh, and they lost two or three years because they kind of went chasing the, the fantasy crowd pleasing manager um, instead of sticking with somebody who could who could build from there. And I just I just think that um, I, I I personally worry that they'll get to a stage where will he be driven out and will they regret it? I hope that when it that when he is that if it comes to that that they're able to replace him with somebody better than Pellegrini and it can be somebody who could take the club on. Um, but, you know, <laughs> you, you can't necessarily have too much confidence about that. No, that's it. Jacob, I'm interested to uh, to see where you stand in the whole, where, when fans are back at West Ham, uh, the West Ham of old will return debate. Um, you, you hear it a lot in, in the media from a lot of pundits. I think uh, Merson alluded to it in the studio on Sunday that, you know, um, the reason why West Ham are doing so well is because, the stadium's empty and the fans aren't getting on their backs, and it kind of is almost linked to uh, linked to what we were just saying about you know that there are there might be sections of the fan base that 
that are kind of half waiting for it to all fall down. Do, do you do you agree with that stance? Personally, I think it's quite a lazy view, um, and it kind of is a little bit harsh on the work that David Moyes has done this season. I think that um, I think that if they'd have fans in the stadium on Sunday, and there's no real way to, to prove this. It's you know I could just be just coming up with a wild theory is that they probably they probably hold out and the Arsenal, you know, if you think about what the atmosphere might have been like at 3-0, if you think of what the Arsenal away end probably would have been like at that stage, do you necessarily see Arsenal coming back? Do you see them composing themselves? I'm mm. not so sure. I think mm. they, they, you know, they may well have just carried on getting more and more intense and you probably see an empty away end at half time and it's different, but you know, there's a bit of a weirdness to these games. Um, you know, at times it does, it can feel like a training game in, at, at certain stages. So you can kind of settle yourself and take a bit of a moment and, you know, you're not, you don't have a crowd on your back. The crowd obviously makes a difference. So perhaps in that, in that, um, in that environment, then yeah, it, it can make a, it can make a difference. I think that if, if West Ham had had, you know, all those fans behind them, perhaps they would have got over the line. What I have heard is that there's, um, there's a feeling within the squad that it's helped them because it's helped them as uh, it's helped them overall across the season, not to have fans there, which isn't to say because the fans would get on their back. It's more because it's, it's enabled them to play this style of football, mm. which is um, they're not kind of being urged out of shape in, in, in a way. They're not being urged to go in, you know, when you when when you've got crowd when you've got a crowd there, you're kind of being pushed on to make a big tackle and stuff like that. In this setting, they're much more able to hold their shape and frustrate teams. And I think that sort of again feeds back into um, a, a wider point about Moyes, which is that this team is comfortable playing in this kind of cautious way a lot of the time and kind of picking their moments when to attack. And then at the same time, you get people. I hear I, I look at people saying. Why doesn't he just go for it? Why don't you know? And you kind of, well, they they generally don't really go for it. They they play in quite a cautious way, and then they hit teams when they think that they're ready to do so. Um, you know, I look at it and saying, well, why didn't you just go for it against Liverpool? And you kind of think, well, lucky you weren't on last week, Jacob. Lucky <laughs> yeah. that these two didn't start. We should have just gone for it at Man United. You would have loved it. Well, <laughs> I think that I think that we have to be realistic about how good the teams are that they're playing. Um. Yeah, they, they they need to be realistic about how good these teams are. If Liverpool decide to turn up on the one on the one day when they do, you're going to be in trouble. If Arsenal's very good players decide to stop being idiots, then they're going to be in trouble. You know, and again against Manchester United, they specifically want you to come at them, <laughs> and you know to look at what happened when West Ham chased the game. They United almost scored two or three more, didn't they? Mm. Yeah, well, mm. uh, I'll tell you what, Jacob, that one won't have gone down well, but you can definitely come on again with stances like that and it might not just be me shouting into the void as it usually is. But look, it's been absolutely brilliant, uh, Jacob, having you on. We do appreciate you giving up some of your time. Just quickly before you go then, how do you think it's going to play out for the rest of the season? These hopes of Europe, James said earlier on in the show that he doesn't feel games like that are going to define the season. I disagree again, thinking the stage we're at and the teams we're coming up against it 100% does. These are exactly the games that will define where whether this season just turns out to be a pretty good one and a nice improvement on last year and we finish ninth or wow this is absolutely something else and one we'll remember for a long time what's uh how do you see it playing out uh what is it nine games to go so um 
I've been expecting them to fall away for, for a while. I think everybody has, and they keep just surprising everybody. Um, so I think that you've got to give them, I think we've sort of got to stick by and, and think, yeah, that this team now has earned the right sort of, um, you know, for people to maybe expect a bit more from them in terms not to doubt them. I think that top four will be, will be tricky. Um, you know, I, my main job now is covering Chelsea and they're transformed, you know, if, if, if Chelsea still have Frank Lampard in charge, then I don't think they'd be fourth. Um, I don't think they'd be anywhere near it. With a manager like Tuchel, then it's, you know, knowing what to do with <laughs> world-class players and a world-class squad, which is far beyond that of West Ham. I'd be astonished if West Ham are capable of finishing above them. I do think that those drop points on on Sunday will probably come back to haunt them. The other, the other bit... That maybe works with West Ham when they're if they're going at it with Chelsea is that Chelsea are in the FA Cup semi-final. They've got Champions League quarter-final uh, to play, you know, which they may well win. So they're going to have a backlog of games. Um, at the same time, you know, <laughs> they're only a point. They're a point ahead of Spurs, and which in itself is kind of crazy when you think that they have Harry Kane and Son yeah. and Bale, and you know. He's, uh, he's able to leave out players like Deli Ali, who would probably walk into West Ham's team. Um, not so, ahead of Ben you know, Rama, they've of done incredible. No, 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 <laughs> of course not. But, you know, they've done incredibly to get this far uh, with, you know, with if you just look at the individuals in the squad. And I think that, I think the, the belief, how much they're, the lack of pressure on them probably does mean now that they're able to maybe keep going. They've got past quite a few difficult games, haven't they? So, um I, I I I don't think top four, but I think that the Europa League or this sort of weird um, Europa Conference League is definitely possible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jacob Steinberg from the Guardian. There, we really appreciate you giving us so much of your time, Jacob. It's wonderful to hear your thoughts on all things West Ham, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again later on in the season to celebrate uh, West Ham clinching Europe top four on the last day of the season with a Saeed Ben Rama hat trick. But um, we'll. Uh, I would be very happy if that happens. <laughs> I don't care if West Ham do well, and <laughs> and it's because of a player who I doubt. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, look, we really appreciate you giving us your time. Uh, thanks a lot Jacob Steinberg there football journalist and West Ham supporter from the Guardian newspaper stay with us because it's the charity bets next so lads Jacob Steinberg there I mean finally one of the most well-respected well-followed football journalists in the land comes on to the We Are West Ham podcast, completely agrees with most of the points I've been making the last few weeks, in as many words, calls you two Muppets who know nothing about football or West Ham United. I mean, it's it's a cut and dry case, is it not, Tom Edwards? Um, yeah, he's, he's achieved a lot in his career. He's a top bloke, but I, I sadly back myself in uh, in what I say and, and where I've played and what I know. So, so I'll keep to my words. And I think, yeah, he, he, he makes played. some very valid points. <laughs> yeah, he's made some. He's made some valid points. He's made some valid points. He's he he's yeah. He knows what he's doing, and and I do agree with him that the thirty million on Ben Rahman, the way he put it, it maybe wasn't the best signing, and perhaps he's opened my eyes to that in, in more than they were. But I still back him, and I still think we have got a good player on our hands, and I hope he comes true. 
Yeah, absolutely. James, uh, I, I know a sort of bit of fanboying from me there because, uh, you know, A, because Jacob was agreeing with a lot of stuff I said. But, you know, Tom didn't seem quite as brave, did he, as, as he can do on Twitter at times, particularly last week when he suggested what Jacob. Particularly when he suggested Jacob should perhaps watch the rugby because that might be more suited to him after he <laughs> tweeted last week. Um, he seemed to sort of retreat back into his shell somewhat, Tom Edwards, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I was I was half hoping that Jacob would go, oh, sorry guys, didn't watch that, I was watching the rugby. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just to rub it in. But, like, like, like Tom but yeah, said to no, me on Twitter. I, um, yeah, yeah, no, nah, Tom, I was expecting more from you, mate, to be fair, but um, you did stand your ground to, no, you did, you did disagree with him and go, no, nah, um, you're wrong, Jacob. Um, but Would you yeah, call him nah, a bottle job, he, James? Would you say he bottled it or...? Take my time, mate. It's, it's a, little bit, a little bit like West Ham on Sunday, Spazzy. Yeah, absolutely. Just yeah. waiting for my phone, mate. I need my phone. That's the problem. <laughs> exactly. You wait, Jacob's <laughs> going to get it both barrels with a load of capital letter tweets from Tom Edwards later on. <laughs> well, look, that was uh, absolutely brilliant having uh, Jacob on. Like I say, well-respected. Uh, journalist supports West Ham as well so great to hear what he had to say uh, thanks Jacob hopefully we'll get him on again later in the season uh, lads Betway Charity Bets I've put it at the top of this section on the show notes as if the day wasn't bad enough I mean that's got to be the closest we've all been to winning some money on the Betway Charity Bets and not a single one of them came in i thought i had it in the bag tom was texting me just before half time going will you shut up with all that win chat my bet was west ham to win lingard goal or assist and a goal in each half three new up after 35 minutes jesse lingard has already scored and he got one an assist on for bowen's one just to boot not that that mattered so all i needed was a goal in the second half and West Ham to win the game. Antonio pokes it in. That was 11 to 1, 550 quid for the Bobby Moore fund. That would have been Tom Edwards. Both teams to score. West Ham at half time, draw at full time and over 8.5 corners. Both teams scored. Somehow, West Ham, after being 3 1 up at half time, it did finish a draw. Tom Edwards has got it right. I didn't even see the corner count. I look on my phone, go and look, and he's WhatsApp eight, saying, You eight. missed out by one corner we had eight corners half a corner we were away or one 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 more corner we needed that was i think a 16 to one shot tom would have won uh 16 times 50 for isla's fight james jones west ham to win lingard to score antonio to score and over 8.5 corners you were the furthest away from uh, of all of us and you still got two of your four selections in there Antonio studs and one more corner kick would have done it for you too absolute head in hand stuff Tom Edwards you must have been mortified afterwards yeah gutted honestly it was gutting I thought I thought if we were going to lose basically the reason I did it is because if we're going to drop points I want to be happy taking over some money and to lose it on corners gutting gutting but I'm going to get one I'm going to get one Filer very very soon that was mate when you went for that i thought that's a weird shout i, I can't see that happening and then especially when it was 3-1 i thought oh tom's out of it then me and jonesy are on especially mine west ham to win lingard goal had already happened i needed a goal in the second half and west ham to hold on i thought we only need one more happy days jonesy just desperate desperate stuff yeah i thought mine was now done because um particularly when antonio but we all thought antonio would score but in fact Suchek and nicked it off him. Um, I thought I even put it in the watch area, didn't I? I was like, 
I can't believe mm. that Sutex just just stopped me from winning my bet. Because <laughs> um, I just assumed the corners would come in. I think there'd already been a couple of corners in the first half. Well, yeah, that one will come in. But yeah, I was a little bit far away from, from you two. But Tom, yeah, absolutely gutted for you, mate, because I know how desperate you are for one. Um, and to lose on essentially one what corner. is 0.5 of a corner. Um, yeah, nightmare. But yeah, you feel like getting closer, though. Soon uh, enough. Absolutely heartbreaking there. But look, good shouts from all of us, I think. If uh, if only we'd had it in us to hold on. That could have been a serious haul for the We Are West Ham podcast. And those charities that we are all playing for this season, thanks to the £50 each Betway are putting up uh, for me and the lads to play with. There's a charity stake each week. Um, yeah, so no international, sorry, no bets this week, of course, because it is the international break. So uh, the Betway Charity Bets section will be returning next week for our selections ahead of the Wolves game, but just absolutely a hair's breadth away this week from being a serious haul. But we keep going, we move. Uh, I've already raised a few thousand quid for a, the Bobby Moore Fund Islas fight and the DT38 Dylan Tombini's Foundation already this season uh so great stuff on that front and uh hopefully we can add to that before the campaign comes to an end stay with us because we've got the opposition view which we're not doing this week because it is the international break so we'll have a brief international roundup of what west ham players are going where next so the Betway Charity Bet's disappointing stuff, as we've said already. But positivity, we move, as James put it so well last week. You put it all behind us and you can only look to the future. You cannot ha- change what happened yesterday, but you can change what happens tomorrow. So that is the mindset that we are adopting here on the We Are West Ham podcast. Lads, uh, brilliant news, of course, that Jesse Lingard got picked for England. Tom, you'll be delighted to know that Saeed Benrahma has been picked for Algeria as well. So uh, not to worry on that front. Uh, Vlad, so just to run through uh, which of West Ham's players, nine in total, have been called up by their respective countries for the March international break. Vladimir Soufal for Czech Republic. Lucas Fabianski for Poland, Jesse Lingard, Declan Rice for West Ham, Suchek, of course, has gone with Kufal to the Czech Republic, Andrei Armalenko for Ukraine, and Connor Coventry for the Republic of Ireland. Said Ben Rama is involved in the Africa Cup of Nations, and Frederick Alves is on Denmark under 21 duty. James and Tom, both of you, we'll go James first. Uh, Wonderful news to see Lingard in in the team, isn't it? And he even turned up in full West Ham gear. Yeah, no, I was a little bit uh, surprised actually that Lingard got got the call. I don't think I don't think many of us were kind of considering him as a potential member of the squad. I know, see, I know he's hit the ground running, and part, probably part of the reason why he agreed to the move to to West Ham wasn't just to get some game time, but also put him in with the shout of going to the Euros this summer and. Um, but even then, just kind of didn't consider him as a as a potential candidate so soon. Um, but it's great news. Um, and you're right, the fact that he rocked up to train in his full West Ham kit. Um, he's really bought into the club. You can see if you look on his social media and his Instagram, he's you know he's loving his time. Um, and no wonder, given that you know we've allowed him the platform to to get back in the England squad after two years out. So um, yeah, good luck to him. Just hope he and, and the rest of the first team players away over the next two months come back fully fit because we're going to need every single squad member for that running 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, Tom, you, I think I saw this on your Twitter. You're absolutely fuming that Ben Rama didn't get picked for England, weren't you? <laughs> I don't know how, mate. I don't know how. What's he been watching? What's Gareth been watching, mate? Jesus. Fancy I'll get to his li- passport. Fancy <laughs> Lingard and Foden over Ben Rama. Has he done that? <laughs> Mental. But let, yeah. um, I do want to say something on Lingard, though. Do, mate. Go, go. I just got. I think. Um, yeah, I'm with Jonesy. So surprised that he actually was given a crack. Well, it probably shows um, how highly rated he is by Southgate. I mean, he was one of his key men at 2018 World Cup. It it really does show just how good a player he is. If he can take him back after what seven games he's played for us, but also on him, I probably can't remember him having a better seven game stretch in in his career. It's probably the best football of his entire career. So thoroughly deserved. And yeah, as long as he comes back safe and sound. <laughs> I do love you, Tom. Um, <laughs> do you, I reckon he may have had a he had a better stretch um, in his career. The best goal scoring run of his career. Do you best say that? But you say that he's averaging a goal involvement per game: five goals and two assists in seven games. I mean, I can't remember eighteen not, goals in one hundred and fifty United games. Not even Payet had numbers like that. Um, so I suppose when you look at it like that. He's probably better than one of his best stretches. He's better than Payet. Um, and he probably right, does, clip that when you get it like it that, he deserves it. He does deserve it. Like when, like when you actually look at the numbers and the stats he's, he's delivered, of course he deserves the call. I don't know why we ever, we ever we didn't even consider him. No, I, I, yeah, I wasn't overly surprised. I, I, yeah, who, you know, I don't know who else you're going to, who is you going to pick? Like what he couldn't have done anymore, could he? Other than played well at Fulham. <laughs> true. Yeah, true. Uh, Tom, uh, we've got a few others out on international duty. Uh, Sufau and Suchek for the Czech Republic are actually playing in Estonia um, and then they uh, head home to Prague to face Belgium. So a couple of difficult games. They've also got a game against Wales uh, in Cardiff on the 30th of March. So some difficult games for them. Uh, we know they're starters for their country. Uh, again, what Jonesy said then, You've, that that's all we've got to hope for, really, isn't it? It's nice to see him do well, particularly the West Ham guys at England. But, um, yeah, we've just got to be fingers crossed that uh, everyone comes back fit, even though you look, I've just seen it now, you look exactly like Vladimir Kufel with your new barnet. Ah, <laughs> uh, don't do me like that. But just got to come back Easy fit, joke, haven't they? This trip is no Kufel. It's more... Uh... Yeah, 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 exactly. They just got to come back fit. The big one I'm worried about is them not picking up um, COVID, obviously, because what, what that will do for the rest of the season is is tattered. And their health, obviously, their health first. But ultimately, if, if we have one or two of those go out for uh, two, three weeks, mandatory two weeks or whatever it is, then, then that's a lot of trouble, really. So getting back safe and sound, and hopefully we'll see the back of this one and we can just plough into the, to the final stretch. Uh, James... Andre Armelenko with Ukraine. Is that a strange one? Is that one that you... I know the club are obliged to let these players go and Yarmolenko loves playing for his country. They've got an away tie at Ukraine this is in Group D World Cup qualifiers, away tie at France in Paris on uh, the 24th of March and then they host Finland in Kiev before welcoming Kazakhstan. So, all right, the France game, a very difficult one indeed. You'd hope perhaps that the Ukraine manager... I don't know, holds holds him back for the for the games later on. He played for the under twenty threes, I think, the other day, and reports suggest that that he looked a bit rusty. Rashane Thomas from the Athletic, who was at the game, um, 
you know, tweeting afterwards that, that him and Masuaku who were back in action looked very short of sharpness. Are you concerned at all about Yarmolenko going, given that despite him being a right midfielder, he is our main backup striker? <laughs> I'm a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I didn't realise he was fit. I thought he was still out. Um, and then obviously he gets the call up. But yeah, it, it is a bit of a worry given, you know, his inability to remain fit for long periods, like our, our first choice striker at the moment. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it baffles me. And but he, he's he's Ukraine, he's captain of Ukraine as well, isn't he? So it's not as if we like we could have gone like Andre. Do you mind just skipping this one? Mate, like, <laughs> I kind of need you back here. Um, like, yeah, he's probably going to start. We've got a it. massive under twenty three game on uh, next Tuesday. We yeah, need you for yeah. it, Andre, mate. Like. Just stick about Chabrolli for a few more weeks. Don't worry about the World Cup. Like, forget that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've yeah. done. You've been there. You've been there. Done that. You've had a long exactly. career. It's been. It's been great. But scrap that now. It's like, in the winter. You don't want to go to Qatar, Andre. Honestly, mate. Don't yeah. worry. It's overrated. No one's going to watch it anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but I suppose now he's captain, or as he's captain, you can't really, you can't really say that, can you? You can just let him go and and just make sure he stays fit and healthy and comes back and. Um, can, can inevitably fill in for Antonio um, during Antonio's next injury, whenever that might be. Uh, well, that's, I hope that's not projected negativity, James, because we'll have a couple of listeners getting into you on Twitter, at by James Jones, for anyone who wants to have a go at James for that outrageous shout. Just saying, well, look, West Ham have got their next game, not until Monday, the 5th of April. Wolves away at Molyneux, 8.15 kickoff. So we'll have the standard opposition view. will be back next week, as will the Betway charity bets. But that is all. And fingers crossed, as the boys have said there that uh, the West Ham boys stay fit on international duty. But how wonderful it is to see a decent amount of the West Ham side playing for their country on the world stage, particularly Declan Rice and Jesse Lingard for England. So good luck to everyone. Stay with us because we've got Name That Game next. So... It's that time of the show. Once again, name that game is back. James Jones's body language and demeanour always switches. In the little window I've got of him in the corner, my little Zoom window that's in the corner, the other side of my show notes on my screen. Every time name that game starts, James gets a bit twitchy. He either sits up in his chair, he looks a bit disgruntled. He's still bottom of the leaderboard at name that game. Now he's got to be quiz master. Uh, so me and Tom are the only ones with opportunities to win back some points this week. Tom Edwards sitting pretty at the top of the name that game leaderboard on 40 points. James Jones rock bottom on 34 and me just a point ahead on 35. So for any new listeners, each week the Quizmaster picks a West Ham match from history and collates seven necessary pieces of information for that game. They are obscure fact about the game, the scoreline only, one opposition goal scorer, one West Ham goal scorer, the stadium in which the game took place, West Ham's opponent and the season the game play, the game was played. Uh, if it's still a draw after that stage, it goes to a tie break, which is the exact year that the game was played. James, it's, uh, it's over to you this week. It's a point, of course, for me and Tom for each right answer or each piece of information we can give as you're revealing them. Uh, it's over to you. You're scratching your neck. You look a bit twitchy. You just want to get this over with. So you've got a chance to to win some points back. Are you just worried that, that me and Tom will be uh, out on our own after this week playing in a in a two-man league? No, I'm not worried at all. I mean, I think I've pulled one out of the bag this week, which um, 
might catch. I think Tom might have a chance, actually. I think Tom's knowledge is, is pretty good, but it might catch you off guard, Will. Uh, no disrespect, mate. But um... <laughs> That sounds disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go. If you guys are, are all set. Ready. We are. Let's have it. Okay, so so the obscure, obscure fact is that West Ham's uh, second highest appearance maker in the Premier League era made his debut in this game. Um, yeah. Behave. You haven't got it after that. Um, nil one. He's on, it's correct. It is correct. Scoreline yeah. one nil. Right. Uh, opposite yep. goal scorer. None. Uh, that is incorrect. Go on, yes. Tom. Um, Eric Dyer. It's two nil. Oh, Jesus. So... So there isn't a West Ham goal scorer, so I can give you an alternative one. Yeah, go on. Uh, both both sides had a player sent off in this game. Uh, who was West Ham's sending off? Oh, uh, I think I remember the game. I do remember the game. It was rank. Um, oh, blimey. Who? Oh. Ooh. I can't remember that. Um, Mark Noble. Incorrect. Go on, Thomas. Oh, I don't know on that one. Um, Andy Carroll. Uh, no, incorrect. The correct answer. Correct answer was James Collins. Two yellow cards. Ah. Ah. Sorry, uh, in the stadium. Uh, Upton Park. Correct, 2 1. Opponent. Um, Spurs. 3 1. Uh, season. Uh, 2014 15. That's correct, 3 2. Jesus, Tom, fair play, good knowledge. Who was the. Uh... So it's 3 2 to Tom there, Jonesy. Yeah, another win. 3 2 to Tom. Tom. That puts him on 43, moves Medium. me up to 37. Jonesy now, the big, big gap between Tom and James Jones, nine points in it. Uh, Jonesy, who was the second highest appearance maker? Well, the reason why I picked this one is because uh, Aaron Cresswell's appearance against Arsenal on Sunday put him above Carlton Cole into second place wow. uh, with 200, I think it's 219 Premier League appearances. Um so yeah, he's still miles off. Uh, Mark and I have still got like 150 behind him. But uh, I just thought, okay, well, I was going to do the game in which he scored his first goal for the club, which was one year win over Newcastle at home. But I thought, no, nah, that Tottenham game, the first game of the season, um, with uh, Eric Dyer one on one. No, I still don't know why Eric Dyer was through one on one. But yeah, it kind of always just stands out. And yeah, he made his debut in that game, so I thought it was a, a fitting game to to pick. Tom, that is James is right. That is proper good knowledge. That how do, how do you how do you know that? I just don't know who knows um, that stuff. Do you remember debuts or what? I, I don't really. I I do I do have a weird um a memory for things like that. I don't know. And I and he used to where I sat Upton Park. I sat right by the um, dugouts, and I just remember whenever Fresh Face also played down that side first half, and I just remember being pretty impressed with him. Um, yeah. But yeah, things that like, I don't know, mate. He, he did. He did have a good remember. debut. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I, yeah, I can't remember normal stuff, but I can remember when Aaron Cresswell made his debut and who against. So uh, I'm not sure what I'd rather. <laughs> yeah, no, I just think absolutely fair play. Josie, are you a bit like that? Because I, I, you could give me any player and I, I never, ever remember debuts really, other than Freddie Sears's against Blackburn. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, I'm, I'm like that little like that with stats. Like I knew Creswell was gonna gonna go into second place this weekend because mm. um, I've I've got this weird thing about West, stats and West Ham stats stuff. Like that. I'm actually launching my own stats website, um, which I'll be oh. plugging in this podcast Dong. when it's ready to launch. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, um, but then little things like that, I probably wouldn't have got that myself had I not already known it. So, yeah, fair, play. fair play yeah bravo tom well played there glad i managed to claw that one back in the end so three two to tom on the night that puts tom on 43 points me in second on 37 james jones rock bottom on 34 thomas edwards you are the quiz master next week so there's almost no chance that i'll be catching up with you um but there is a chance that james could pull level with me so look forward to that one and uh Stay with us because we're nearly at the end of the show and it's the West Ham women's section with Sandra Bobby, sports journalist from The Sun, next. So name that game there. Another great win for Tom Edwards. Seems to be running away with it this season, uh, streaking away at the top. Six points clear at the top of the name that game leaderboard now. But someone like James Jones, who's at the opposite end the wrong end of their leaderboard is West Ham's women team bottom of no not bottom of the WSL excuse me they were bottom of the WSL it feels like we should be opening this section with uh, in a negative fashion because they played Birmingham at home last Wednesday 17th of March 7.30 kickoff went 1-0 down you thought ah oh, here we go Birmingham haven't been able to buy a win either we had Catherine Bat on last week from the Daily Mail it was very very nervous about what she called a must win game delighted to say that Sandra Brobby from the Sun WSL expert and sports journalist is joining us to chat all things West Ham women tonight Sandra West Ham women Went 1-0 down against Birmingham, managed to fight back to 2-1, one of their best performances for ages on Wednesday. And then absolutely heartbreaking, 94th minute, just couldn't hold on from the win. I've been banging on about it like a broken record, but across from the right again, sails over everyone and knocked in at the back post for the equaliser to make it two all after 94 minutes. It was absolutely heartbreaking. The girls definitely deserved more from the game after Katarina Svitkova's outstanding goal to make it 2-1. What what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is gutting for West Ham. I mean, so close to getting the first win under Oli Harder in the, the WSL and then just for that, obviously, Ruby Mace um, equaliser. That, that is very tough on them because... They've been, they've been battling. Their performances have been battling recently, um, and they do just they did deserve to get the win. So, I mean, obviously they've got Man United coming up, and then but then you've got Reading. So who knows? Against we, you'll never know against Man United. You never know what could happen. They, you know they could put any performance there. They could you know shock Man United. You never know. So, but that performance is really gutting for them because they've been working so hard, and you know, and they, I feel they they have been improving in terms of. Um, you know, what Oli Harder's trying to do in terms of the pressing, but it's just a very unfortunate for them with that late last minute goal from Ruby Mace. 
honestly. I mean, they they obviously briefly moved off of the bottom of the WSL, went above Bristol City, but Bristol managing to get an excellent point, one all against Tottenham at the weekend, has put West Ham bottom again, albeit Bristol have played two games more. We'll keep stressing that. They're just a point above West Ham now, but that win would have put West Ham ninth if they'd have managed to hold on against Birmingham. Honestly, Sardra, I can't describe it. I only just finished work and I've only managed to turn it on when it was one all. Katarina Svitkova scores an outstanding goal. You know, we've been crying out for 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 build-up play like that all season long. And I thought, oh, brilliant. That's exactly what the girls deserve. A comeback, this will give them a massive boost. And it looked like they were holding on. Birmingham had next to nothing they were offering going forward and just out of nowhere. It was a good cross and a nice finish to be fair, to make it to all. But I just couldn't believe it. I was so crestfallen. Do you think that, again, you mentioned Man United at the weekend. They're playing at Old Trafford as well, which would be quite the occasion. But I'll uh, before we go into that a bit more, how do you think that, you know, what do they take from, from that against Birmingham? Is it positives? Because, look, girls, you can do it. You can put the ball in the back of the net, which has been a problem for such a long time. Or is it, oh, we were so close, it's just not going to happen. It's going to be one of them seasons. I think you should, they can take some positives, definitely. The fact that, like you say, they, they you know, scored twice. Um, it was only a very last-minute thing that, you know, denied them the win. I think they can, um, you know, take some positives from that, particularly, I mean, obviously, Man United wait and see what happens with that, but particularly when they go up against Reading, um, they should be more than capable of, of getting the win um, or against Reading. So I think they're, you know, they can take some positives for that and also take positives from the fact that it's so close at the moment at the bottom and they've got the games in hand so that's something that you can take um positives from going forward for the other games uh, this season Sandra that, that despite all those positives as, as you really mentioned they have a trip to Old Trafford um coming up obviously the, the the magnitude of that game is a lot bigger now uh and then they've got the the, the pressures of of then having to play at one of the well, the biggest club stadium in, in the country uh, I suppose, firstly, sort of having a game at Old Trafford is obviously a great thing for uh, for the women's game. Um, but do you th- can you see West Ham get anything from that, given the heartbreaker uh, against uh, against Birmingham? It will be very tough. I mean, you're, you're and you're going to be facing a United side who are going to have the bit between their teeth because you know of their loss against um, Arsenal. It. I mean, I, I, I. Be surprised. I'd be surprised if West Ham do win. But then, given how some of the games have gone this season, with Reading pulling off a win against United, and then I mean, I know it's not United, but then Brighton, who were going through a bad patch of form, then stunning Chelsea when they had to, when they absolutely needed to get that win. You just never know what's going to happen. And I think, I mean, I think just going back to that performance against Birmingham, the fact you know you got two good goals on a score sheet. It, you know, pressing well, were dominating. It was just rotten luck that they just came away from a point. I think that's just something that they can take um, when they go into this game um, against uh, Casey Stoney's side on Saturday. Sandra, there was the, the new TV deal was announced um, this week. And how much more pressure do you think that puts on the girls to retain the WSL status? Because obviously that's going to be not only huge for women's game but financially for the clubs it'll it'll be a massive fillet so does that put extra pressure on the girls to go and get the job done now particularly in the position they're in they may well they may well see it as motivation just you know just that's something to to you know to give them the lift for the rest of the season to battle to retain their spot 
in the in the you know the top flight it might just be the thing that okay we're really going to push on again and get as many points as we possibly can so that we can be in the division next term and to be part of you know all of that coverage coming up for for the WSL I mean I mean West Ham are quite a popular side I mean it'd be It'd be a shame if they went down, but I'm sure it'll give them more, more kind of motivation, I'd say more so than pressure, particularly for, you know, players like Jilly Flaherty, who, you know, is quite a heroic figure in WSL generally, um, aside from what she does with West Ham. Sandra, what can you, for those of uh, those of people listening who, who might not have, well, they would have definitely seen the news this week, but who, who might not know the, the sort of details of it, then what can you tell us about that? that broadcast deal it's my understanding it's a three-season deal with sky uh around seven million pounds a year it's going to be worth to the clubs uh which is going to be split uh equally or so a portion of it split equally just based on wsl status and then uh the remainder will be performance related as well regarding to league position rather than which games are are, are televised or which aren't but there there's some on sky you i mean you, what, what can you tell us where's where's it going to be what's the uh What's the the take on it? Well, um, BBC have pledged to sh um, show twenty, I think twenty two of the games. Sky forty odd, I believe, games are going. You know, both I think both WSL and obviously Championship. Um, it's the biggest deal in um, women in for a top division for the WSL in particular. It's seen as the biggest deal in um, women's football history. No other top league has had such a a big TV deal as WSL, WSL now has with Sky and the BBC. And I mean, it's just uh, the general consensus is a fantastic uh, move forward for all the clubs, just in terms of getting that mainstream coverage, both on terrestrial television, as well as on Sky of, of the Women's Super League. Um, there have been some fans who flag con concerns about, you know, early kickoff times and obviously that affecting um, fans who, you know, will be, maybe I'll be travelling to stadiums when they're eventually allowed back. But, you know, but the pluses are obviously all that coverage, all that analysis that you may well get on Sky, perhaps a soccer Saturday style, you know, panel uh, yeah. of WSL games. It's just a fantastic move forward for, for the league, for, for the teams and, and for the women's game in general. And there's also the hope that some of that money will, as, will trickle down you know, to teams below uh, the, um, F the WSL and FA Women's Championship. And it's just raising the profile of the game and, and helping it to reach a much bigger audience than it than it already does. So it's a, you know, a big win um, for, for the game. And Absolutely. For all those yeah. Yeah, huge news. Great news as well. I mean, obviously the game's... Uh, we've watched this season the vast majority on the FA player, which can be a little bit, little bit clunky. It's not so; it's, it doesn't invite itself or lend itself to, to something that you just flick over and think, oh, and get interest that way. Is it? You kind of have to go out your way to watch these games. Same the other night with the, with the Birmingham game, of course. But uh, yeah, I think the the money. Do you think it's going to one thing? I read an article this week. Uh, talking about the the players it's going to be able to attract as well obviously you've seen West yeah. Ham have had an influx of, of foreign stars this season that was the road they decided to go down but with at the status you mentioned it's the biggest uh, league deal uh, broadcast deal that women's game have got in on the entire planet do you think with that there's going to be all of a sudden these big stars who perhaps might prefer to play their football in America at the moment or on the continent are going to be going, actually, no, I, I want to be part of that. I want to be, 
in playing in the WSL where I get my profile out there. It's good for them as far as sponsorship goes and all that sort of thing. And I want to, I want to sort of the first step to becoming, um, you know, a, a major, a major global star where perhaps they might just be known in their own countries at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, that yesterday in a press conference in the Chelsea um, press conference ahead of their game with Wolfsburg, that question came up. Um, it was put to Magda Eriksson, their skipper. And she said that, you know, she can, I mean, already, you know, players in, in, um, in her country were talking about how they wanted to, you know, Norway, they were talking about how they wanted to come here anyway, but they, they do, there is this sense that it's going to be a massive draw for some of the bigger name stars. So we will, you may well see more players of the calibre of like an Abidal Kemper, um, you know, Sam Kurt, you know, big name players wanting to come and play here because of, uh, of that, because of the profile that the, um, the WSL and also the championship um, will have. So it probably will be a, more of a draw for some of the bigger stars wanting to, to come and play, some of the best, best players wanting to come and play in the top flight. Yeah, that can only be a good thing for sure, um, for, as far as the game goes and and for the fans watching as well, I think. Uh, Sandra, there's been some concerns around or raised around, you know, some of the some of the pitches the girls have, have been playing on for the past few seasons. There's been several games this year postponed. I think it might have been Birmingham, correct me if I'm wrong, that have had a few problems, particularly with with drainage at their pitches. And that's the sort of thing that uh, a big like broadcasting behemoth like sky they're not going to stand for that sort of thing is there so uh is it my understand it's right to say that there's going to be a lot of pressure on clubs to invest in uh their their pitches primarily to ensure that when this deal kicks in that they're they're ready and there's going to be no hold-ups which you might associate with with the wsl over the past few seasons yeah, I mean, yesterday, again, that came up during a press conference and with Emma Hayes um, was talking about having a minimum standard that, you know, that, that grounds have, have to meet and ensuring that, you know, there are the proper provisions in place to make sure that, you know, the pitches are playable. I mean, obviously you can't, you, you will have days where maybe games might be snowed off just because, mm. just because, you know, that you can't control that. But there are, there, there is going to be a move, I think, to make sure that pitches do meet minimum standards. So you're not getting the um, postponements due to, you know, pitches being waterlogged or sodden and what have you. So um, that's going to be part of the criteria. And um, one of the things that came up, one of, one of the things that the FA brought up was having DESO pitches as well. And then obviously... Deso, uh, where, what are that? What what are deso um, pitches? High tech kind of like uh, uh, I can't. I need to look look more into not, Ast- not Astro. I think turf. it's. I think I think deso is yeah. uh, UEFA standard yeah. turf. I think still grass yeah. though. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Right, so basically, right. having deso pitches um, used for for some, you know, making sure those are in place. But yeah, there is going to be a move to make sure that you're going to avoid the kind of cancellation postponements that we've seen so far this season. Well, we expect perhaps that that we'll see more uh, women's games played in the men's stadiums. Possibly, um, I mean, you may you may well see more kind of ground shares when that's possible if it's logistically possible. I know that some clubs are quite content, like Chelsea are quite happy with Kings Meadow, for example. I know that's a, that's a men's side; uh, they use Kingstonians grounds, and that works well for them. But there may well be opportunities where clubs might move into you know, use their men's grounds as and when that's seen as logistically viable. 
Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Well, look, good news all round, I think. That uh, 27th Saturday, 27th of March, West Ham women travel to Manchester United to play at Old Trafford. 11.30 kickoff. It's a, it's a big game for the girls. And to pull a James Jones quote from earlier in the podcast, I don't think it's going to be this game that necessarily defines the girls' season, but it'll be really important for them to bounce back next time out away to Reading, which is the 3rd of April. Sandra, we really appreciate you joining us again. Again, absolutely great news about the broadcasting deal. And it kicks in from next season, am I right? Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So you may want to see more Emily Van Edmonds and other players of her calibre coming over, fingers crossed. Absolutely. To West yeah, and uh, we'll be able to, all of you guys listening at home, uh, perhaps those of you who don't already, it'll be far easier to watch uh, the West Ham women next season that has been this, which can only be a good thing. Well, Sandra, thank you very much for joining us. Sandra Brobby, sports journalist, WLSL expert from The Sun newspaper, looking ahead to that game at Old Trafford, Saturday the 27th of March, 11.30 kickoff. Stay with us because that's pretty much it for the show. We'll have some final thoughts from the lads, the Fantasy Premier League update next. So Sandra Brobby there from the Sun newspaper. Brilliant news, lads, about the uh, the WSL broadcast deal for next season, to be honest. Um, yeah, like I say, it has been it is a bit clunky, that FA player. It's not always brilliant. Um, and, you know, it's sort of one camera, um, one or two cameras at the side of the pitch. But the, the level that the sky broadcast and BBC of course are going to bring to that is uh, is going to be something else and I do I think it's inevitable when you watch it honestly that Birmingham game the other night I was gutted afterwards but the the quality was there it was a really entertaining game um, and you're sort of really invested in it and I think it can't be a bad thing you know the viewing figures for the last Women's World Cup were through the roof um, it can't be a bad thing that there's so much stuff on TV you've got 900 channels or whatever if you've got Sky um, I definitely can't be a bad thing that that's uh, that's going to get in front of more people's eyes, James. Yeah, no, I think it was only a matter of time as well, wasn't it? I mean, it's the the, the women's games already growing in popularity. It has done over the last few years, and um, I think you know you just got to look at some of the some of the, the the superstars of the sport that spent some time in the WSL this season, um, having come over on loan. A lot of the the American. Superstars came over for short loan spells, um, or those that were playing over in the the, the American leagues, and they're, they're the big players, and they already wanted to come to WSL. So it was it was only a matter of time before Sky Sports, you know, capitalised on that and gave it gave the sport quite rightly gave it the platform that I think it's it deserves. So yeah, looking forward to seeing more of it next season. Um, and as as Sandra said. Uh, you know, with soccer Saturday style panels and, and pre-match pundits and stuff like that, which you, you don't you don't often see see with the women's game yet. No, absolutely, mate. No, just uh, brilliant stuff. And just fingers crossed, the girls are in the WSL next season and not the championship. Massive, massive few games coming up, starting of course at Old Trafford on the weekend. Well, look, lads, that that's pretty much it for another week on the We Are West Ham podcast. We thought it was going to be a little bit shorter because it's international break. I don't know if it has been. Wonderful interview with Jacob Steinberg from the Guardian. I'm definitely going to see if he can come on to either replace one of you or just get him on every week because yeah. uh, a lot of the things he tweets and writes, I tend to agree with. Uh, great to hear from him. Great to hear from Sandra. There, of course, thrilling stuff 
in Name That Game. The huge new announcement uh, that people can actually buy us a pint, which James Jones has struggled to do in the past. Uh, all good stuff, boys. Uh, Fantasy Premier League, Jonesy, that was pretty good as well. You were giving it large. I don't think there's any other phrase for it. Uh, giving it large last week. I'm creeping up on you. I'm coming, etc., etc. Um, care to read out the scores? Because the Illuminati were at play this week, weren't they? Uh, in the Fantasy Premier League world, our little mini league between the three of us. Uh, I did win, in case you hadn't picked that up from my sarcastic uh, introduction to the segment there. 66 points for me. James Jones got 55 points. And Tom Edwards, you'll never guess, Dernan, Dernan. Got 44, 66, 55, 44. Absolutely mind-blowing stuff. Something is going on. But uh, Jonesy, would you sort of care to temper your reaction somewhat? You tried to bait me in the WhatsApp chat saying, oh, you played your wild card, did you? Yes, I did. And I've moved 11 points even further clear of you. Um, but you don't seem to have changed that annoying swagger that you get that makes me think you still think you're going to win. Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm far more confident. Um, now that I know you played your wild card um, in a it's week, a good where it, was blank, it was a blank game week, and your team now looks pretty weak for the remaining nine fixtures. Going to cost a few points to fix that, I think. Um, I mean, having having to spend the rest of the season with Jamal Lascelles in your back four is um, worrying in fantasy. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you're 38 points clear of me. Um, there was a time about maybe five, six weeks ago where it was 130-something, 120-something. Um, so I'm still coming for you, mate. And uh, and Tom... Uh, he's got, he's at it now, hasn't he? Points. No, I've got wild card. Behind. I've he's got a wild card. I've still, I've still got my wild card as well. What are you waiting so, for? Um, well, I changed it. I took a point to it last week. There's no point in that game week my point saying you're playing your wild card because you're setting your team up for one game week and not the rest of the season aren't you so. So, so listen to it listen to it just another <laughs> so I'm on 1,709 points James is on 1,653 more than 50 behind me that is a lot isn't it and then Tom on 1,627 sure? breathing down James's neck yeah unless I've done my maths wrong yeah so you're 1,768 yeah uh, I'm 1,730 Oh, I think this is an um, old. So just 30, <laughs> Excuse 38 me. points. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, and Tom's on one thousand six hundred eighty. All right. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry, Tom. So uh, take it. Well, look, look. Uh, both confident then, are you? So what are you, what are you saying then? Come on, let's, yep. let's have it now. Uh, James, just give me your final standings that you think between the three of us at the end of the season. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to say. I think. Well, yeah, I'll win. I think I'm, I think I, I think I stand a very very good chance um, that's, of finishing that's, above I didn't you. Will. For good chances. Um, I want one, two, and three. That's what I want. All right, one, um, Tom. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> two, two, me. Uh, three, Will. Yeah. Well, there you go. Absolutely ridiculous stuff. Tom, that's only because I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to say that I was going to win. So it's yeah, exactly. Tom's, Tom's going to win. Tommy, you um, so confident of you whilst you're answering no. this season? No, I'm washing my not washing my hands of it. I'm not going to bottle it quite yet. But um, me last, and then I I just think Jones has that aura of Sir Alex chasing down and prey in the title <laughs> race. I think it might just happen, mate. I'm going to get an old Kevin Keegan. Oh, I'd love it if I beat him. I'd love yeah. it. Yeah, he's still he's still got to go to game week 31 and get something. <laughs> 
<laughs> Absolutely. I cannot wait for Jamal LaSalle to be Newcastle's hero for their charge to safety for the rest of the season. But lads, what a show that was. Really enjoyed that one. Uh, felt really good. Like I said, great to hear from Jacob. Brilliant to hear from Sandra. Great news on the WSL stuff. I'm still a little bit angry because I think any professional football team, when 3-0 up, should hold on for a win, regardless of who it's against. But hey, we move, don't we? We move. West Ham still doing all right. Uh, do follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. You can get us on Instagram as well, like Rob did this week. Sent us a really nice message. Thanks very much for that, Rob. If anyone else uh, thinks nice things about us, it does really pick us up uh, if we hear them. So do get involved with it's Twitter, Instagram, or our email, we are West Ham pod at gmail.com. You want to share some nice thoughts with us, please do. Because uh, it had a real positive impact on us this week. So thanks a lot, Tom. Like I said, you can buy us a pint if you want to at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham if you fancy doing that and that's your thing. Uh, leave us a review, five stars, and write some nice words on your chosen podcast platform. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link is in the description to this podcast below. You can watch back uh, every interview we've done tonight, the whole episode, if you so wish. Uh, so you'll be able to do that within the next few days. James, brilliant show. Really enjoyed that one. Uh, some final thoughts from you, please. Yeah, really good show. Uh, great to have Jacob on. Um, still disappointed that Tom bottled it, but uh, <laughs> I thought I thought it was very, very insightful. Very, very insightful from from Jacob on, on a number of things, including Ben Rama. Um, and you know, I, I thought I thought his his comments on the way that the, the players have felt in empty stadiums was quite interesting. Mm. Um, and that they found it a lot easier. Um, I mean, I still maintain that pundits using that, oh, well, you know, when the fans go back, it might all go a little bit wrong. I think I've always found it quite lazy. So it's interesting to hear what Jacob thought yeah. of that. But, but yeah, um, really, really good. Uh, it's just frustrating that we've got two weeks to to sit on that that three-all draw, uh, Spursy performance, and but we go again against Wolves in a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Fingers crossed for some uh, everyone to stay fit during the international break. Tom, I mean, James has called you out for being a bottle job there. You definitely retreated back into your shell when Jacob come on face to face. Classic internet troll behaviour from you after giving him the full caps lock treatment on social media last week. What have you got to say for yourself at the end of a brilliant show? Yes, I'll probably look back on it as one I, one I could have had back maybe and had another crack at him, gone for him limb from limb. No, I'm joking. But um, no, I, I thought I stood my ground to, to a degree on them, Ben Rahm. I, I, I'm not overly passionate on it. It's not, I, I love him Ooh. and I've got a shirt and I, I do stick up for him. I do <laughs> stick up for him and I, I'd happily would have it out with him. But he made some valid points and he knows his stuff as well. And, and I think he wasn't dismissing either aspect he was just putting his foot forward and yeah it's good to it's really is good to pick a brain of someone who's been able to go and see it firsthand and obviously is a long career in, in following West Ham and following Premier League football so yeah as always quality to get him on and quality to chew the fat after such a frustrating weekend it doesn't feel quite as bad after doing a show so yeah onwards and upwards mate yeah absolutely mate absolutely but that is it for this week. West Ham's European hopes still hanging in the balance. And despite what James Jones will tell you, these next few weeks definitely will define our season. Could it be Europe or could it be ninth? And we all just smile and go, oh yeah, at least we've improved. Well, I tell you what, I will not be in the mood for James Jones's pragmatism if that ends up happening this season. Get me to Rome, get me to Munich, get me to Prague, get me to Madrid next season because West Ham should 
should be going on a European tour. Come on, everyone. Let's have it. Thanks, as always, for listening, guys. We do appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Stay with us. Keep the faith. Up the hammers. And we'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.